This week at Macy's, find Valentine's Day gifts for all your loves, like fragrance gift sets they'll adore. Plus, take an extra 15% off with your coupon or Macy's card. On top of beautiful jewelry finds, now 35 to 70% off. And 25% off decadent chocolate from Godiva. Macy's Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift card services and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess. For elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. It's time for Section 336, Baltimore's best, the number one podcast, forget the rest, Matt Burton Josh, welcome to guests, the Ravens are back, no nonsense defense, so tune in every week, hear the stories get told, the Super Bowl champs crushing the Steelers and Colts, it's the time of the year, through the purple pain, so sit back, let this podcast tickle your brain. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Baltimore sports fans of all ages, welcome to Section 336, Baltimore's Best Sports Talk. I am your endearly stunning host, Matt Soroka. As always, I'm joined by the zany Burt Rohde. What up, Coconuts? And the button lover, Josh Soroka. Man, Matt's just jumping right over you there, not even letting you say hi. <laughs> I got nothing to say. All We're that start- pre-show talk, and Matt's now like, get the ball rolling, go. <laughs> We're starting the show late to see who had the most, uh, after our, who had the most painful experience contest. Right, right. So, well, listeners, you can think about what's the most painful thing that ever happened to you. I know what. Not, I know what is. Will, Josh, any anyone will say it's kidney stones. Bert and I agree on that. So anyone I don't that's know. one that's listening to this show, they know the pain. But it, that's a that's like a first second. I can't decide which is worse in the other painful experience of Bert trying to get on Skype. <laughs> yeah, I, I almost. Punch the laptop. (laughs) Anytime Bert's trying to get sound, he can't hear it or something. I feel like there's always an issue with Bert. Bert, was your laptop, is it from the 70s or something? No, but it's from from the mid-2000s. That's old enough at this point. Yeah, I don't believe kidney stones are that painful because I never had them. It's like people who always (laughs) complain about, like, migraines and they're like, they can't function. And I've never had a migraine, so I'm like, I don't believe you. <laughs> That's my philosophy. If I've never experienced it, I don't believe you. That's how I was, but Mandy and Emma get really bad migraines, so I've accepted it, that migraines are bad. But now they'll probably say, if you ever criticize their migraines, they'll probably say um, kidney stones aren't that bad. I don't know. I, I thought kidney stones were a joke until Thursday night. Yeah, I don't you see how a little, little, a little stone could do that much damage. Anyway, speaking of little things that can do a lot of damage, Lamar Jackson. <laughs> and good. and uh, Hollywood Brown. Yeah, yeah Hollywood, Hollywood Brown. They are like kitty stones to the NFL. <laughs> doing painful damage. Yes. Uh, week, week, week two, uh, for those of you who didn't believe in the Ravens, we didn't um, cover the betting line. I don't know if that concerns anybody. Um but uh, did you guys walk away from the Arizona game 
more optimistic about the Orioles or I mean about the Ravens, I'm sorry, or less optimistic about kind of Lamar and the and the Ravens. What are you guys' thoughts on Sunday's game? I'll go more optimistic or I mean the same. My level of optimism doesn't didn't change too much from week one to week two. Uh, I think we had the game in hand even when uh, Arizona was making it a bit close. Um, Lamar and the offense, I was never in doubt that they were going to put the game away, which they did. Um, the defense uh, was tested, and that's that wasn't a bad thing to see. Uh, you know, they're they're not uh, invincible. They're not the uh, 2001 defense, but they're good, and uh, they bend not break. And uh, I was pleased. I, you know, it was it. We saw what the Dolphins did in New England. So yes, everyone was probably right. The Dolphins are a joke. We obliterated them last week. The Patriots obliterated them this week. Put Week One away. Arizona's a pretty good team, even with their rookie quarterback. Um, and he was making some amazing throws, Kyler Murray. Um, I think the Ravens held their own. We got the W in the end, and I am super excited for next week. Josh, does it concern you that uh, Kyler Murray threw for 350 yards, and if it wasn't for just a couple missed opportunities in the red zone, the Cardinals could have scored a lot more points than just 17. Does that concern you at all? Yeah, I'm excited. Later tonight, I'll be recording the uh, film study breakdown of the defense side of the ball, and I'm very curious about his takes because – my takeaway from watching that is that I am very concerned about our secondary. And it seemed like guys were always open back there. Um, so I'd love for them to find someone to replace um, after the injuries of Tavon Young and uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, Smith. Jimmy Smith. Like, go out and sign that guy from Miami, Fitzpatrick. Uh, the cornerback, not the quarterback. Well, he's actually <laughs> had safety. So I, but yeah, 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 safety. But bring him up here. Do like that's worth giving up a first round pick, especially when, come on, this team's a playoff team. This well, yeah. team, as, I mean, we haven't even talked about what's going on in other parts of the, our division. Like, it's now yeah. down to like two teams in the division already, and it's week two. So, um, so are it, you declaring that we have we we have won the AFC North? Are you declaring that right now, Josh? I'm declaring well, I, I, bought, prior to week three. Yeah, like I'm. If I could bet right now on it, I would totally bet the Ravens are winning the division. How much would you bet? Fifty bucks. <laughs> Depends what on if the Lamar Jackson gets hurt next week? Depends on the odds. I'll take that for fifty bucks. If you give me good odds, I'll take that bet. But uh, no, the deep the offense looks extremely good. The defense is concerning. But then when I look back at the game, the the Cardinals were constantly running this like four wide receiver set with no tight ends and sometimes no running backs out there. And that's not something most teams can even do. Right. I mean, a lot, of, a lot has been made about Arizona's kind of new high fly offense where they're trying to bring Kyle Murray's offense to him. So he has a similar offense that they did in college. Um, Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald both had over two, over a hundred yards receiving. That Christian those Kirk kid was, was exciting. He was cool to watch. He's good. Yeah. And Larry Fitzgerald is, I mean, he's the GOAT. He's been around forever. Yes. He's great. He's still got he it. He still has it amazingly. Um, I was impressed that Lamar missed throws. Um, he wasn't great, but he still, like, found a way to make the completions he needed to. It seems like every third down, he would make the big throw and get the third and seven. And he wouldn't pull Josh's boy. where He wouldn't go a two-yard completion 
at when you need nine yards, like Josh's right. boy likes to do. Um, he got the first downs when he me. And then, you know, Hollywood Brown and the big play at the end to kind of seal the win, I thought it was a gutsy call by John Harbaugh um, and, and great execution. Yeah. So, especially, um, and a gutsy call, play, especially uh, a gutsy call when all day Lamar was missing the long ball. He was overthrowing it all, all day. And they yeah. can go right back to it. It was a gutsy call. And it worked. And that is, that's exciting. And it's nice to see the team have difficulties and still pull out a nice victory. Yeah, I agree. Um, to see, because Lamar didn't have to use his legs at all um, on uh, against Miami, but he had to use his legs this week. And so that was encouraging. I am a little concerned about the expectations. I kind of feel the same way that the Orioles' expectations and Michael, expectations for Michael Elias are unrealistic. I wonder if we're getting to the point where the hype train for Lamar Jackson is so high that's a little bit unrealistic. Bert, I've seen a lot of like um, Mahomes versus Jackson talk as we head to Kansas City this Sunday. Yeah. And they're really saying, like, you know, young quarterback, young great quarterback versus young great quarterback. I'm sorry, but Lamar Jackson's not on Mahomes' level as, a, you know, not yet at least. And so I'm a little concerned that the hype and expectation for Lamar Jackson might be a little out of hand for a guy who's only played a handful of NFL games up until this point. Yeah, maybe. I mean, we're looking at Lamar's, what, seventh, eighth NFL start of his career at this point. I don't yeah. I don't recall exactly how many he played last year. It's about that. Tacking on two more so far for this year. I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think there could potentially be an argument to be made for – Lamar Jackson is about where Pat Mahomes was after his first seven NFL starts, and it's only going up from here. And we've seen where Pat Mahomes is right now. Uh, he's unstoppable. Um, he's spectacular. Uh, and uh, I think Lamar Jackson could get to that level if his level of play continues to get better and better each week. I like how Bert says I don't have the numbers right in front of me. Like, if, if at some point in this podcast, Bert had ever had any type of numbers ever in front of him, he's that, never that, had nothing new here. That's my catch. That's my new catchphrase. Because I, <laughs> I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, and I will <laughs> never have the numbers in front of me. And so long as I'm doing this show, I'm done pulling up stats. <laughs> Josh, do you think the expectations um, are too high? Are too high for Lamar? I mean, because he just compared, Bert just compared saying he could be, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, we're talking about the most electric quarterback in the NFL. Do you see the ceiling being that high for Lamar Jackson as well? I think I totally understand it being so high, and I don't think it's fair to put it anywhere at this point except for high. We saw him last year. We saw such a big improvement from last season to this season. He opened week one with a perfect passer rate, and that's going to push your things up. That's something we've never seen in Baltimore. That's going to push all your expectations up. Um, he hasn't, he hasn't turned the ball over yet. Yeah. That's huge. Especially when a guy who had a fumbling problem. Yeah. And now he hasn't thrown an interception or fumbled it. Uh, Mahomes in his first season gave up 16 interceptions. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's something where you can easily compare the two. And I think, yeah, Lamar Jackson long Term, I saw on NFL.com or whatever on their Twitter page, they were taking fantasy questions. And should I play this person or this person? And they asked the expert, who do I take? Who do I 
play Mahomes or Jackson. The guy must be in a crappy league if he's got both those quarterbacks on his team. But uh, they told him to try to trade Mahomes and ride Jackson out. That Jackson is going to be the better fantasy guy. And I think there's excitement. I think people are believing this hype about Lamar Jackson, and they're starting to believe in the Baltimore Ravens. Going into this game, it's in Kansas City on Sunday. And right now, the Chiefs are six-and-a-half-point favorites, mm-hmm. according to Vegas, which is pretty tight considering how hard it is to play in Kansas City. I mean, that's almost a touchdown. That seems yeah, like a lot to me. For that a is a touchdown. 2-0, yeah. They yeah, got a the, they got the a sketchy defense. Right? They got a sketchy defense, uh, you know, in the same way that the the Ravens defense was a little bit exposed by Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Um, I think we're going to see a lot uh, a high scoring game. Uh, if if Pat Mahomes is going to be Pat Mahomes against even a defense as good as ours, um, and then you put Lamar Jackson against what may be a subpar defense in Kansas City, even though it's in their house. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm excited just to watch an exciting game. And as long as it's competitive, as long as we're not getting blown out, I'd be okay with a loss in Kansas City. And all this hype is all about Lamar Jackson. When Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson, but we're seeing Hollywood Brown could be the best wide receiver we've ever drafted. We're seeing Mark Andrews start to play the way we all remember Todd Heap. And, and put up, he's starting to put up career, his career numbers. So there's excitement about this offense, and as long as the defense can keep you in the game, that bend don't break is working, and that that could work all season as long as they don't break. Well, they're gonna break against Mahomes. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, you saw one thing that the Ravens did against Arizona is they were able to shut down the run game. Like David Johnson did nothing against us, um, but Kansas City doesn't care about the running game. Like I know they got Damian Williams and Sean McCoy out there, but they're almost just like decoys because it's the Patrick Mahomes show. And he's right. going to throw it 50 times. And I don't think the Ravens can stop him at all. And so I think the only way we're even in this game is Lamar Jackson has to come to play. And Lamar Jackson has to put in the show um, on offense. And you're right. Hollywood Brown needs to step up. Um, and, of course, Mark Andrews, all those guys. Um, but we're going to need to put up a lot of points if we want to compete in this game. Because you know Patrick Mahomes is going gonna, is gonna to put up some numbers. Right. But this is also going to be a big test for the Chiefs this weekend. They're seeing it just like we're seeing this as a big test for the Ravens. The Chief fans and Chief uh, House is looking at the same thing as this being a big test because they opened up week one against the Jaguars, uh, who also lost their quarterback like in the first quarter of that game. Mm-hmm. And they put up 40 points on the Jags, but they gave up 26 points. And then yesterday they played the, they played the Raiders and gave up only 10, but, but they put up 20, only 28. So well, and the, the Raiders test. jumped out. Raiders jumped out quick to get those 10 points, and then they were shut down the rest of the game. Uh, Pat Mahomes had four touchdowns in the first half, um, and then he didn't need to do anymore. Right, right. It was over. Uh, And, Josh, you mentioned the other day – you mentioned earlier on the show, the other day, about 10 minutes ago, um, about Fitzpatrick for the Dolphins, but he's a strong safety. But, you know, what's interesting is just, like, maybe an hour before we, 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 we got on Skype, um, Jaguars cornerback Jalen Ramsey, um, he, he said he wants to be traded. Um, he's one of the best cornerbacks in the league. So I'm, I don't know if the Ravens would be interested in that at all, or I don't know. Maybe you get into that with uh, you know, with there's some boy. great there's some great opportunities right now for the Ravens to go out there and trade for a cornerback, a safety, someone in that backfield between the Dolphins who are tanking 
the Jags, who lost their quarterbacks, and now they're not even really going to be competitive. The Steelers aren't going to trade in division, but you got a big hole there with Roethlisberger out. Drew Brees missing six weeks. That team's got to reevaluate what they're doing. There's some opportunities out there, and the Ravens should be on the phone call, making the phone calls today. We praised uh, uh, what's his name, Ozzy's replacement, Zacosta. Zacosta. We praised him for what he did this offseason. I'm really curious to see is he going to make a move this week. Yeah, I mean, though Jimmy Smith will be back in a few weeks, so it's not like he's gone for the season. But Jimmy so maybe Smith's just... also not going to be here for this. Might be his last year in Baltimore. Right. Next year at most. So why not bring in a young guy? Right. It'd be, yeah, it'd be interesting to, to see what they do. I do see like more than, I mean, tanking first started in the NBA, then it, it's gone to baseball. Not the Orioles, but other teams are tanking. <laughs> now I've never seen this before, but you start to see it more in the NFL. Like I've never seen really seen a team be as bad as the Dolphins on purpose. Um, and then you're seeing it from a couple of teams where it looks like they're not trying to win. So it's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's really... the NFL. You can be good any year. Like you can just get one good player and you can be good again. Like you know, right? Good quarterback. And that's what we talked about. That's always been the argument about for salary caps is that look at how they all how it is always competitive. Yeah, the parody. Yeah. The parody. Yeah, I, though I was I started reading Bud Selig's book today, and by reading I mean listening to the audio book. If someone read it to me, of course. Yeah, I would only so, listen to that book if Bud was reading it to me. I wish Bud was reading it to me, but it's a, it's definitely like an old white guy reading it. So I can imagine it's Bud. Uh, and it's all written in from Bud's perspective, so I just imagine it's Bud. But he talked about how like how successful the change with the wild card has been and everything in baseball because we all – the first thing that when you think of Bud C, like you think of the steroid era. But this book is talking about like all the other changes he made in baseball. And he mentioned that with that change to the wild card – adding the wild card and splitting the divisions. People didn't want that, but it's been so successful that in his tenure as commissioner, all 30 MLB teams have made a playoff appearance. Oh, that's, that's cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's like, that's something where like we think baseball, you can't have that. You can't do a quick turnaround and you can't do the two, two year turnaround, but it's cool that, that, that opened up to give that and shows how important it is for a team to get into the playoffs every now and then. But yeah. the Dolphins, the Dolphins were in the playoffs just a few years ago, it feels like, right? Yeah. And if, um, I mean, they had a run, a nice little run where they were halfway decent with Ryan Tannehill, um, where they were okay. Um, but I mean, if you don't have a quarterback, I don't know what you're doing, right? And that's their problem. They, they, they don't have a quarterback. Right. And Ryan Fitzpatrick's not the guy. Josh Rosen, I don't think, is the guy. So you just got to hope you get that quarterback in the draft. But as the Ravens shown and other teams shown, you don't need the first overall pick to get a good quarterback. I mean, we got Lamar Jackson at the bottom. So. And many right. people would say, if you watch the Ravens, they never had a good quarterback until now. <laughs> yeah, yes. Some people on the show. All right, uh, you want to switch gears, talk some Orioles baseball? Sure. Sure. They did... Uh... We we went into this weekend in Detroit thinking, all right, what, what person that wins this wins the uh, – or lo whoever loses the most here does the tankathon. And it seems like they both kind of went in there and agreed, all right, we'll each win two. That way it doesn't cost anyone the spread. Oh, Josh, real quick, before – and you're right. Yeah. They they did classic bad teams. Uh, and split. <laughs> right. But 
Um, I want to get your thoughts. How, how do you feel a big Ben Roethlisberger out for the season? Let me ask you a personal question, Josh. Did you, were you, when you heard the news, what was your facial reaction? Did you smile? Did you laugh? Did you say, I'm happy someone got hurt and is out for the season? Did you say, <laughs> I'm glad someone's career might be over? What was your reaction to Big Ben getting hurt, Josh? Um, well, you know, the Steelers have this history <laughs> of bringing in backup quarterbacks that do really good against the Ravens. Oh, sure. So uh, I don't Tell think that's I... walking through those doors. All right. What, it's like Rudolph or something, the guy now? Mason Randolph? Rudolph, yeah. Is it Rudolph so, or Randolph? Mason Randolph or Rudolph or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll see. He give him a nice uh, red nose when the Ravens play him in a few weeks. Yeah. It's no, not calling for injury, just making a Rudolph joke. Yeah. I, I, no, I don't like to see Big Ben knocked out with injury. I like to see him, um, like, just slowly become terrible. Like, I want to see him out right. there being unable to make the throw, throwing interceptions, just being bad as opposed like, to hurt. That's and what I, I like. And I like to beat the Steelers when they're good. Like, I like to beat the Steelers, like, a good competitive game. I don't like taking advantage of them just because we can. Now, if that's how it is, that's how it is. But Yeah, I, you'll never confuse me with anyone who actually likes Ben Roethlisberger. But I do like playing against him. It's always been uh, fun football. Obviously, the Ravens-Steelers rivalry, the Smash Mouth style. But... You know, all good things must come to an end, and and that smash mouth uh, style for the Ravens' offense is isn't really there anymore. We're um, more finesse, more play action, more you know, a running quarterback style. Um, and with Roethlisberger being out, and who knows what their backup style is like. Uh, it, it's when the Ravens play the Steelers twice this year, it's not going to be like like it used to be. And I'm okay with that too. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I have a feeling he might be done regardless of, you know, they're saying he, he's going to still come back next year. I don't know. Well, well, the surgery, the fact that he's having surgery on his elbow means he's going to try to come back. Uh, and I believe that's the whole point of it. But speaking of that whole smash mouth mentality of the Ravens, and you don't have that much anymore. It's all this finesse. Uh, we didn't talk about, Terrell Suggs coming back to Baltimore yesterday. Yeah. Bert don't care. He's not a Ravens jersey. Right. That was my question. I know lots of fans were hyped up for that, but Bert, did you get a little excited to see Suggs back on the field? Uh, I think it was cool. I, uh, you know, I heard he got a great ovation from the Baltimore crowd, which is, that's cool too. Um, But he wasn't much of an impact in the game, right? Nope. No sacks. Uh, I barely caught his name on the announcers. Oh, the, the Fox broadcast sucks. I'm so glad that we're mostly on CBS. Why? You think the, the announcers are bad? Chris the, Carter? Or yeah, what? Chris Carter could not get over the fact that Patrick Ricard played on both sides of the ball. He's been Carter. doing that since last season. I watched and that I, entire game from beginning to end, and I can't recall the announcers having any impact on my viewing experience whatsoever. I don't know well, if I, was, I just wasn't listening to them or what. I can't did, remember anything about them. Did you watch it with other people? With uh, Matt and your dad, yeah. Well, there you go. That's probably the problem. I'm watching it all by myself. My only friends are the announcers. Yeah, that's true. We were talking amongst ourselves. And whatever the little bottom bar that shows, like, the score and whatever. Like, every time I look, whenever I wanted to know, oh, what yard, how much yardage is it, it didn't say down there. Like, they would take it away. So, I I don't like the Fox broadcast. Yeah. I don't know. I've never... 
had a thing for reporters at all. Like, you could be whatever. People complain about Chris Collinsworth. I was watching the game last night. I don't care. Like, I don't like him. I don't dislike him. But they're just all kind of generic. They're all the same to me. Yeah. Hey, um, Terrell Suggs did say in after the game, he said, quote, this was the weirdest thing I've ever been a part of. I wonder if the Ravens are playing so well, if he's having a little bit of a remorse on this decision, a little bit of buyer's remorse, a little bit of second guessing, perhaps, that he's missing to be a part of a really great team for the Ravens. I don't know. I, I feel like uh, the, the Ravens defense, uh, when his contract was up, they were probably ready to move on to a certain extent, too. I mean, they're, they weren't going to give him the kind of dollars that he might have wanted uh, for an aging linebacker like him, who, like we just said, didn't have much of an impact in the game. And maybe he will continue to have a better game, a better season, better games. But, you know, it, he's playing out the rest of his season in his home state. In front of his, where his family can come watch him play all the time, and and good for him, but his glory days are over. So, and, with, and they were here in Baltimore. Right. He just happened to be in the, on the other sideline in the other locker room, and that's why it was weird for him. And with no pressure, he's got a, he's playing on Arizona. No pressure to be the guy uh, we expect in Baltimore. We get to remember those glory days of Suggs, and he'll be in, in the Ring of Honor immediately, totally. and all that. So it's fun. It's it was. You know, we got to see Ray Lewis go out on top. You'll never see that again. But to see guys, it's nice to see guys kind of go out when they still can play at a high caliber. Like, we don't want to see guys like Ed Reed go out there and struggle with a couple teams. Suggs, at least, is going out to the Cardinals where there's no pressure and he can play one more year, enjoy it at home, and then he'll fade away. Do you, Hold on, I, I got a bone to pick. Do you really think we'll never see that again? I think I think there's there are still NFL players right now active with yes. this will retire with the same team and will win a Super Bowl and call there's it one. a season. There is one. Oh, I bet there's more than one. I will say Tom Brady will do that. I bet uh, I could see Aaron Rodgers doing it. Um, Aaron, I don't I don't believe Aaron Rodgers will ever win another Super Bowl. You don't think so? I think Aaron Rodgers is going to, is on his way down. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I I I I definitely think we we will see that again. It's the uh, Jerome Bettis did it with the Steelers when his uh, final game was winning okay. the Super Bowl with the Steelers. It's well, not by, all that uncommon. All right, fine. By we, I meant in Baltimore, but I I had to argue my point. <laughs> I don't think you'll see a guy like that in Baltimore who's such a face and such an impact on the city and like where he basically is the logo of the team. You might as well say. Probably uh, not go out on top. Yeah, You're probably not, not for the Ravens. Not anytime soon. Not unless Lamar Jackson wins multiple touch, multiple Super Bowls and goes out on top. But you can watch Ray Lewis tonight on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> In fact, it's on right now. You got it on the background? I know. Uh, I, I took my cable box out of my office. I'm strictly Apple TV in the office now. Uh, then me too. TMI. That's why I'm watching Monday Night Football on the Apple TV. <laughs> Hey guys, have you checked out 336 Daily? Did you know that sometimes, in fact, pretty often, I've been recording it in my car while driving to different job sites? That's how easy Anchor is to make podcasts. With Anchor, you can record your podcast and edit your podcast and upload your podcast all in the Anchor app, and then it makes sure it goes out to iTunes and Spotify and wherever you need to put it. 
it, they take care of everything distribution. They help you with advertising and getting in commercials. Check out the Anchor app. Go to the App Store and download the Anchor app for free or go to anchor.fm to check it out. All right. Uh, now let's get the Orioles. So they split with the um, Tigers. This is after we saw the um, Dodgers clinch the division on our home field. I don't know how, how you guys thought about that. But I think they had two- Oh, better, better the Dodgers than the Yankees. Who True. cares? It's the Dodgers. Yeah, I went. We went to the game on Wednesday. When I was walking up to the stadium, there was like a bunch of people chanting "Let's go Dodgers," and I was just like joined in with them. Like, why not? I don't care. Fine, let's go <laughs> Dodgers. What do I care? Go Dodgers. I don't care. It's not the. It's in the National League and whatever. Who cares? Hey, the Orioles made some hiring. They made some. They hired people. Well, they fired more people and then hired a few. Yeah, so they got a new director of player development, I guess is the big guy, director of player development, Matt Blood. They brought some new blood into the department. There you go. Yep. Uh, He came from Texas. Before that, he was with, like, the youth baseball or something. And before that, he was a scout with with, uh, St. Louis. Presumably, that's where Mike Elias knew him from, and Mike Elias was there as well. Um, So... That's one of the hirings. Um, there were some other ones, like Kevin Buck was named Director of Baseball Administration. Mike Snyder was named base, uh, Director of Pro Scouting. Um, Brad Sayalek was promoted to um, Supervisor of Domestic Scouting Operations. D. Zhao. So, I mean, the majority of these guys, not Matt Blood. He came from the outside. He came from Texas. But the majority of the guys have been promoted and just kind of have new titles. Um, Hedrick Hers and Chad Tatum were promoted to scout a- analysts. Uh, and so this is a new role where their job is to evaluate their scouts, but they're using just video and data to scout. All right. So saving that travel budget. Yeah. So uh, they're scout and a- a- analysts. So they just, they scout, but just looking at video and looking at data. So scout, uh, scout, uh, scouting from home, scouting from home. There you go. It's a scout from home job. Maybe because they have children and they want to spend more time with the children. Maybe because there's so many video of games and players now that you don't really need to get your eyes on every person. Yeah. I could, I could scout based on MLB the show ratings. If, they, <laughs> if they're looking for a guy to see like, hey, in five years, he's going to be good. I can look at who improves in the MLB show ratings and maybe make some good uh, predictions like that. I can go that route. Uh, other Orioles news, it's been exciting to see Austin Hayes up uh, because there's really been no one else caught up to be excited about. Uh, but Austin Hayes has been playing center field, and it's been nice to see an actual center fielder play center field. It's been nice to see Austin Hayes healthy. He's hitting the ball well. Not so much with power. He's not hitting a lot of extra base hits, but he's hitting the ball like – with solid contact line drive. Like I said, I went on Wednesday. I saw him hit, hit a nice line drive in the left field, had two hits that game. He did. Uh, so it's, it's good to see Austin Hayes playing well. That's sure. what you wanted. Yeah, you've been, you, you were saying that for a while now. Yeah, I think the Austin Hayes, I really do. I think Austin Hayes has a chance to be something uh, special if he can stay healthy, which seems like a big if with Austin Hayes. Right. Um, but I'm glad that he's able, he, know his, he started the year rough with injuries, 
Um, last year was like a lost year with injuries. So I'm glad at least he's ending the year on kind of a positive note um, and a healthy note. So I think that's great news for Austin Hayes. Yeah. Um, today, uh, also today, John Means pitched again and uh, got lit up. He got lit up. Yeah, but he had a good stretch there early in the game where he was getting a lot of he was getting a lot of up and down. What do you kind of take from John Means' year? He's like 10 and 10, 347. I mean, he's 10 and 11 now after today. Uh, was today lost number 11? Yep. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Uh, then uh, right. Yahoo needs to be updated. But uh, what do we kind of take from John Means? He's not like he's not rookie of the year talk anymore. But is this a successful year? Is this a guy that you can count for your rotation next year? What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I think this is huge for the Orioles and for John Means, right? I don't care what he does this start. I guess he has one, maybe two more starts. It doesn't matter what, 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 what he does. He's proven himself to be a reliable starter in our rotation. And you say, well, big deal. He's a reliable starter. Well, think about it. The Orioles have approximately <laughs> like zero reliable starters outside of John Means, right? Like maybe right. Dylan Bundy, maybe. Um, but no, he is our ace. He is our best pitcher. And at the beginning of the season, he wasn't even supposed to be a, you know, a regular starter. We thought he, a triple-A, 4A kind of borderline guy. He goes from that to being our ace, our best pitcher. So, yeah, it's a huge story. It's a big deal. And you hope maybe next year one or two guys can make the jump that John Means made this year. And I don't really want to fault him for a couple of the losses recently, especially today, giving him his 11th loss in the season. Because what that shows me is this is a guy that actually cares about the future of this franchise, that really cares about getting that number one rookie pick again next year. <laughs> like, why should I be trying to win this game when we could be doing Adley Rushman all over again next uh, April or, or May, just, whenever? Or just the fact of how's this guy going to get more than 10 wins when he's got this team behind him? <laughs> yeah, when um, they brought Eads in in like the twelfth inning of the game a couple of days ago, and yeah, the guy, another, walked another guy guys, like, who's this? Grand slap. I know. I said, okay, okay, manager Hyde, bringing in Eads in the twelfth inning of a tie game. You right. try and get that pick. You try and get that pick. That's right. Yeah, but it looks. I mean, we split. It looks like the Tigers have number one pick wrapped up. It looks like we have a pretty kind of wrapped up on the on the number two pick. Yeah, it's three and a half. We're back three and something, a half, and that behind us is like seven games, I think. Yeah, something crazy would happen for us to drop down to third pick or get the one pick. Something crazy would have to happen. Right. And, like, it won't because the thing about this is when, like, you're contending for a playoff spot, teams go on, like, seven-game win streaks and then play 500 ball, and then they'll go on a nice win streak. Like, right now the Cubs are on a nice win streak. Milwaukee's just coming off a nice win streak. But when you're, like, the Marlins and the Orioles and the Tigers, you just lose every game. So, like, there's no – no one's gaining ground. Everyone just always loses. So, like, you might in a week, you're lucky if you, like, catch them a game or something. Right. Everyone just loses every game. So, there's really I, no movement in the standings when you're at the bottom. Yeah, I think we have six games left against Toronto, three games with Boston, three yeah. games with Seattle. None of those teams are going to the playoffs, so nobody cares. It's not – it's just up and down. Yeah, but yeah, Miami, the Orioles, Tigers, no one's going on like a four-game winning streak. That's right. not happening for any of us. Yeah. But a uh, bonus for us, Matt, you and I were at the game last Wednesday. It was a John Means start. 
Uh, and he actually pitched pretty well. Uh, yeah. It lasted a good while, and we ended up winning that game. Pitched today. Five days from today, Saturday night, we're going again, and it's lined up to be another John Means start. Oh, nice. Yeah. If you're going to see the Orioles, might as well see John Means. Our last, uh, at least my last game I'm going to this year. Yep, mine too. Uh, I think isn't isn't the day after that like the last game home game of the season? I think it might be, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, so really going out there on a limb saying you're not going to go to any more games. I'm not going to Boston to go watch them play at Fenway. I'm not doing that. <laughs> a couple of the notable things in that game that Bert's talking about, Jonathan VR hit a home run, and it was notable because it was the record, the major league dong record. 6,106 home run um, of the year. And that so the Orioles kind of, have given up. It's somewhat ironic that B- Vilar, VR would get the, an Orioles hitter would be the guy to actually get the home run record in Major League Baseball. Yeah, it is. But it's, I mean, it's one of those things like the Orioles have had so many weird records with home runs this year. That it's just kind of fitting that that one also lands on the Orioles. Yeah. And John Rivera continues to play a great baseball, by the way, people. Imagine, yeah. imagine placing that bet, though, with the way the season has gone so far. They said, okay, Major League Baseball, the home run record is going to be broken this year, roughly mid-September, early September. Um, you've seen how many home runs the Orioles have given up this year. Place your bets. Is the record-breaking home run going to be given up by the Orioles or hit by the Orioles? <laughs> Yeah, that would be a fun. Uh, that would have been a fun bet if, like, two weeks out, we all picked uh, a player that we thought could possibly do it. There's no way any of us would choose an Oriole, and even if you chose an Oriole, you'd probably go with Trey Mancini, not Villar. I would be looking at who would be playing against the Orioles. Yes. On that projected date, and then pick their slugger from that team. Right, right. You'd pick someone from the Dodgers. Bellinger or whatever their names are. I don't know anybody on the Dodgers. Bellinger, that, that's one, Barrett. Good job. I got one. <laughs> um, the other thing that I wanted to mention from this past week is a lot of stuff has been made of the Dylan Bundy play against yeah. the Dodgers. Oh, where he, where he just gave up and didn't he care? struck the guy out. And you, I've never seen this happen before. The guy from third ran home because it was a pass ball or a wild pitch, I right. guess. And that happens all the time with a run for third run time. But the guy from second. The guy from second ran just on a pass ball, ran to third and then all the way home as Dylan Bundy stood next to the pitcher's mound just observing it all. And no one covered home, i.e. Dylan Bundy didn't cover home. He was walking towards the dugout. Yeah, he was like walking, just kind of hanging out. Like, I've never seen that before. That's what struck me even more than the guy who ran from second was I've never seen a pitcher – that has no clue what's going on on the field around him. I've seen guys forget how many outs there are in a game, and then they panic or whatever. I see guys, but like when the first guy goes in, and then like the pitcher's not even Bundy wasn't even paying attention to what was going on. At and no point, even after the second run across, at no point did Dylan Bundy like move fast no, anywhere. No, <laughs> he just watched. And he didn't. He just watched, and it's like the complete opposite of like. You know, those plays at the plate where last year we had where Givens is diving home. I mean, it's like Michael Givens, like sliding home yeah. and catching the ball, like giving his whole, putting his whole body on the right. line. Like that's a pitcher who Bundy. understands what's going on. <laughs> you got Dylan Bundy just there. I mean, I even mean, after the game, they asked Bundy what happened, and his answer was, I don't know. 
Yeah, like they said, um, did you think he fouled the ball off? And so right. it was like a dead ball. He said, no. Yeah, did, did you okay. give up? I don't know. <laughs> he totally just gave up. What, well, the, the strike was strike three, and it was ending the inning. So, I mean, I give him the benefit of the doubt that he struck the guy out, and it, he was ready to walk back to the dugout. And there were runners on base. So even on a past strike three where you swing and it passes the catcher, you're still allowed to run to first base even if there was first base is still occupied by somebody else. Apparently no. that's the rule. No, not, no. Not I think there's runners, base there was runners on second and third, but first was open. First, first base was open. Was open. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that would, uh, it'd have to be that way for the rule. But I've never seen, well, the one thing Bundy did say is that he didn't know where the ball went. And but he I, was looking right at it. I, that's what I, that's what doesn't understand is like, I've like never seen a pitcher. He threw the ball and he was staring at it. I don't. Right. Like we used to laugh at Bud Norris pointing up at the ball like a pitcher always knows where the ball is it was total blank correction nobody was laughing at bud norris we were in full support of the pointing (laughs) at the pop-up let me be clear all right we still like bud norris got it (laughs) is he even in baseball anymore no uh though it reminds me a little bit of i can relate to dylan bundy a little bit because in, in stressful padding situations my immediate reaction is to freeze and not move. I remember when I first started teaching, we had that earthquake in Maryland, right? And my initial reaction is just to like, okay, nobody move and let's just like freeze. And whenever I'm in a stressful situation, even when like I see a kid, my kid about to like fall off a couch or something, I don't try to help. I just stand there unable to move. <laughs> and so I feel like that's what Dylan Bunny was doing. Just kind of, he saw what's happening, but he just couldn't move, frozen. See, I, I, I sympathize with him, but in a different sense. I, I don't think he was frozen. I think he was just over it. He's <laughs> like, who cares? At this point, you think, I'm you done. Think that, you think Dylan Bunny really has thrown in the towel? That he doesn't think, care anymore? No, I'm with Bert. I think that that standing there was him, his brain hitting the fact that even my catcher can't catch anymore. That that's how this team sees going. You think going. He's, he's sick of this team? I, I, I'm sick of this team. <laughs> I think the bigger question is, are we, is this team sick of Dylan Bundy? Well, I, I think it's, a, I don't know if you bring Dylan Bundy back next year. I think you have to just because we don't have anyone else to start games. Yeah. Do you try to trade them cheaply? I don't think anybody would Nobody give Nobody wants more. Dylan Bundy. And so you might as well throw him out there because he can start games for you. I guess the fact that the Kevin Galsman experiment failed for Atlanta doesn't kind of voids out that whole Jake Arrieta, the Orioles don't know how to handle starters and we can, we can fix it. Yeah. And Jake I mean, Arrieta is a no man's land now. I mean, he's still a Philly, right? But he's not an all-star or anything. Wasn't well, he? I think he was hurt. He's hurt. He got hurt at the end. Yeah. He was shut down early. He was hurt all year pretty much. Yeah. Um, and just shut it down early. But Kevin Gossman at least like had great stuff when he went to, like he was throwing in the mid nineties. I mean, Dylan Bundy's lost his velocity. He just has to change who he is as a pitcher. So I don't think, I don't know. I, I could, I'd be shocked if someone thought, oh, I can turn Dylan Bundy around. Um, so, yeah, I think we're going to see him all next year, even if the Orioles might be a little bit tired of him, and even if Dylan Bundy might be tired of the Orioles. Both those things are possible. But I think he's still coming back and playing on his contract here. And they might not be tired of him, and he might not be tired of the Orioles, but how about just being tired of losing? Yeah. Like this season is a drag. Like it, it's two weeks left. It can't. This two weeks needs to wrap up as quick as possible. 
let's call it a year and move on. Yeah, I get that, but I'm also kind of like I'm ready for this season to close out. But I'm excited to like kind of see what they do this off season, how they come into spring training, because I feel like this is the season of like tearing everything down, and from this point on, it's building things up and coming up. So I don't expect them to really win next year, but I expect to see some young guys. Uh, doing well and kind of excited to play baseball again. So I'm excited for next year, and you're right. I'm ready for this season to end. I've got football now. I don't need the Orioles. Yeah, I don't expect, and like I said before, about the, about the expectations of Lamar Jackson, I think the expectations for Mike Elias are insane and ridiculous and, and dumb. I think people are out of their minds with the expectations for Mike Elias and the Orioles. With that said... I don't want to see a repeat of this year, and I don't think we will next year. I don't want to see a repeat of just random tie blocks just being picked up to start and give up 10 runs every game. We can't do that again next year. That's, like, too much. Even, even if we're trying to suck, that's too much. We need to get guys who are actually could be part of the future. We need to see Keegan Aikens up here. We need to see actual Dean Kramers up here. And so my hope is next year we'll actually see, like, just not an embarrassing starting rotation. Just give me not embarrassing starting rotation, and I'll be happy next year. Yeah, and that's how I'm, that's how I'm looking at next year is, is it can't be as embarrassing as this year. This year we won more games than last year, but it was, I think, there were so many, way more guys that we were like, who's this? Who's that guy? He's not part of the future this year, where at least last year it was a bunch of losers who were part of the past. Yeah, but we're on board for it. I was listening to an interview with John Mioli, um, who's a writer for the Baltimore Sun. Sun. Um, And he said, you know, talking about comparing Houston to the Orioles with, you know, under Michael Elias. And he said the thing about what the Houston, though, was because they were kind of the first team doing that when they were doing it, is the fan base really wasn't supportive. The fan base didn't understand when they were firing scouts. The fan base didn't understand when they were kind of blowing up the team and they were losing all those games and getting high draft picks. The Orioles fan base, we get it. Uh, About half of us get it. No, I think we get it. I'm concerned, though, that we get it too well. Josh, do you think the expectations for Mike Elias are are unrealistic? Uh, Yes. I think... You ask any Orioles fan, and they will say, we're going to win the World Series in 2023. And they're kind of half-joking, but they're not really joking. No, Mike Elias is going to win the World Series in the next five years. No, we've mentioned it before. You and I have nailed years down as our passwords. We've yes. locked this down on what year we're predicting. And I just gave away my password. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> not, not, not the rest of it. There's just some yeah. years involved. Yeah. Um, but we, we've had this talk. We are hopeful. And yes, there's a lot of pressure on Michael Elias to do what he did in Houston. And it's way easier to be the first person to do something rather than the 30th. But we didn't have a plan forever. We lo- kind of lucked into some winning baseball a few years ago. We went 14 years with nothing. So the fact that we have a plan. But having a plan doesn't hope. guarantee playoffs and World Series and all that stuff. It just it means you have a plan. All I the know. other teams are trying too. But you know what? Yep. Yeah. But I believe the hype. I don't. I think obviously it's it's huge hype and it's the type of hype where it's a t-shirt even before he's done anything yeah i don't i think that's a little crazy i i could see a i could understand a like process type uh 
t-shirt because that more says, hey, I understand what we're going through. But, I mean, it's not like buying a Elias t-shirt or buying a – you might as well – next year the Orioles should just give away World Series 2022 shirts. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, maybe you shouldn't buy into the, quote, hype or get yourself hyped up with the expectation that we are going to be a World Series contender within the next five years. But if we're not, if you are completely uh, dismissing that as even a possibility, then what's the point? Like, I should be allowed to uh, hope for and, dare I say, expect to be a World Series contender in the next five years. Otherwise, when will it happen? Yeah. I mean, that's why we have Mike Elias. Yeah. We, we didn't hire Mike Elias to come here and play right. 500 ball. If uh, I mean, I'll be 40 in, in four months. If it doesn't happen in the next five years, it's not going to happen in my lifetime. <laughs> you got on record <laughs> for that? Um, no, but I think we're all on record. We're planning as we on dying all, young, by the way. We are all believing that the uh, Orioles are going to win, are going to be in the World Series in the next five years. I think we've all bought into that hype. I think what's more but isn't exciting, that unrealistic hype? It's uh, of course it's unrealistic, yeah. but we're all going to buy into it. That's what fans do. I think the realistic hype is this restructuring and bringing the Orioles into the modern age and how you scout players, how your farm system works, which is in theory should work to bring winning baseball for a long time to Baltimore even after that peak of the World Series. And when, when I think of hype, you know, you won't catch me dead in a Michael Elias t-shirt or a Trust the Process t-shirt. That's dumb. But I will buy an Adley Rushman baseball card. Yeah. And I got my Adley Rushman <laughs> yep. t-shirt. I don't have a Michael Elias t-shirt. I got my Adley Rushman no, t-shirt. No. Better believe All it. All right. And I've got my Matt Weider's jersey and Manny Machado jersey and Adam Jones jersey. And those guys, have. those guys took us within three games right. of the of a World Series. Exactly. I brought in, I bought into all those guys. I'll buy into the next crop, which is starting with Adley Rushman. I tell you what, I, I've won a World Series more than anything in the world, but I would settle for a three to five year run like we did with Adam Jones and Manny Machado and all those guys, where we had American League Championship Series at Camden Yards. If that's as good as it's going to get. I'll, I'll take a few of those before I die. And and that, that was pretty this, freaking special, yeah. And Absolutely. That, right, and all that—that's that's supposed to be the low end of what we're promised in this hype. So that's exciting, and that's something to yeah. I'm expecting a World Series, but I also desperately want a World Series before I die. I'm there with Bert. Like <laughs> we got to get this done before uh, we die, before family members die. We got to time's running out. We got a few years, Mike. All right. We don't have to rush it too much. (laughs) All right, boys. uh, Let's wrap this thing up. Sounds good. All right. You guys can check us out on uh, all those social media platforms that exist, right? On Twitter.com, Facebook, Instagram, we're all on that stuff. Subscribe, tell a friend, write us a review on iTunes, or leave us five stars on iTunes. Or wherever you listen, it helps out the show. Uh, yeah, all that good stuff. You can follow me on Twitter at section three three six. You can follow Josh on Twitter, who Josh somehow, Rucker. who somehow, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Josh, but I don't, I did. Who somehow tweets more about Joe Flacco still than he does about Lamar Jackson, but whatever. And you can also, I, I made one tweet. 
that was a fun ending to the to the Denver game yesterday. They lost, if but I it was count, fun. If I look at your Twitter yesterday, Josh, and I see I count your tweets about Jackson and your tweets about Flacco, you're telling me you have more Jackson tweets on there? All I'm right, counting I, your tweets. All right. all right, you want to know? All right, <clears throat> all right I've kind of yeah. been avoiding posting on Twitter anything about Ravens because yeah. I've got a ton and like I keep getting a ton of. Uh, Raven fans following me because of the film study podcast, and they keep tagging me in stupid stuff. So, like, <laughs> my phone will blow up. Like, I've had to turn off giving me any notifications because I'm getting tagged in, like, no, no one believed in Lamar hype. Or look what this guy in ESPN said about Lamar. So I haven't said anything about Lamar because I'm afraid of getting wrapped up into these yeah. guys. You even got to go back and check your old timeline because if you have anything in your tw- Twitter history, yeah. this and Lamar, <laughs> they will find it. And they will crucify you. Guys, you cannot have anything in your in your past a doubting Lamar. I'm telling you. Yeah. Well, if he keeps playing like this, absolutely they're absolutely right. <laughs> but Josh yeah. just yeah. but just wait for one bad game to happen to Lamar. Ooh. Yes. Here comes the I told you so tweets. <laughs> yep. And it'll be it'll be the same day it'll be the same day Joe Flacco throws for three touchdowns. <laughs> ooh, ooh, three touchdowns. Thank you, Joe. We miss right. you desperately. You guys, you guys are trying to buy, build this hype up. I told you guys I'm all in on Lamar. I hope I bought the jersey. I'm all in on Lamar. Yeah, Josh won't be obvious about it. Josh will just tweet like, tough game for Lamar. Next tweet. Wow, Joe had a great game. That, that, that'll be it. He won't say anything. He'll just, just, just read those tweets. Guys, I've got too many uh, Raven followers that I'm scared of right now, so you're not going to see that from me. Okay. So glad I started Joe Flacco over Lamar Jackson on my fantasy team this week. <laughs> yeah, and you notice how Josh said he's not going to tweet anything about Lamar because, you know, there's a lot of Lamar lovers on his timeline. It, what Josh is saying is, if I tweet about Lamar, it's going to be negative. So I'm just not going to tweet at all about Lamar. Is, isn't that what you're saying? No, I'm, no, <laughs> no. I'm saying that I'm saying that I don't need to be tagged in a million things. I'm saying you can't see this, but my phone has been since yesterday hundreds of comments and it's stuff like. It's it's questions about the Ravens. Like I know this stuff. It's uh, questions about how they're going to do against Kansas City, and it's just, I just ignore all these people and they keep commenting to me. Josh is just humble bragging about his social media popularity. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Who's the guy? I, I, I have too many followers to tweet about Lamar. Everybody keeps tagging me in things. <laughs> as as we're having this conversation, I get tagged in a tweet. Never forget. And it's ESPN Booger, who posted two years ago. It won't happen if uh, Louisville were really thinking about Lamar Jackson's future. They would move him to wide receiver. That's where he will play in the NFL. This yeah, is my timeline. Huh? <laughs> but hey, I do have uh, 1,300 followers, so it's cool. They keep tagging me. I've just turned off the notifications. You, want well, to you can also follow Bert. Bert. You can also follow Bert on Twitter. I love Lamar Jackson at Bert Rohde. <laughs> Why don't you set that up as your new Twitter handle? Yeah. <laughs> All right, boys and girls. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Lamar. This week at Macy's, find Valentine's Day gifts for all your loves, like fragrance gift sets they'll adore. 
Plus, take an extra 15% off with your coupon or Macy's card. On top of beautiful jewelry finds, now 35 to 70% off. And 25% off decadent chocolate from Godiva. Macy's Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift card services and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. With groceries and housing costs at an all-time high, you're probably looking for ways to cut costs in the new year. Like no more trips, restaurants, movies, basically no more fun. There's a better solution. With Rocket Money, you can track your spending, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and lower your bills. Users save an average of $720 a year. With Rocket Money, you can get your finances back in black, so you don't have to stop doing everything you love to do. To learn more, go to rocketmoney.com offer or download the Rocket Money app from the Apple app or Google Play stores.